When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. guest is a poet and journalist who has won numerous literary awards for his work, including his book, How the Word is Passed, which was a number one New York Times bestseller. Please welcome to The Late Show, Clint Smith. Nice to meet you. It's good to be here. Nice to meet you. Now, I want to get to this as quickly as possible because I'm a fan of poetry and you have a new book of poetry called Above Ground. Um, you are a staff writer for The Atlantic, number one New York Times bestseller, nonfiction book, How the Word is Passed. This one is a collection of poems. You're going for the big money with the poetry is what you're doing. <laughs> you're selling out. Clearly. Okay. Yeah. What is it, and this is a semi-rhetorical question, but I want a semi-rhetorical answer if you don't mind, which is what is it you can do with poetry that you cannot achieve in prose? For me, I think poetry is the act of paying attention. It pushes me to pay attention to a moment, a feeling, an idea, an image. It's almost like if you are, if there's a tree in front of your house, and you walk past that tree every single day, and if somebody asks you to describe that tree, you could probably tell them the sort of general contours of the tree, what color it is. But then if one moment you stop in front of that tree on your commute, on your way to walk the dog, bring the kids to school, and you look at the tree and you really pay attention to the tree, and maybe you have a camera and you zoom in on a particular leaf, and you see that that leaf actually is three different shades of green, uh, and then you look on the, on the edge of it and you see how it's turning yellow as the seasons change. And you look near the stem and you see how uh, a caterpillar took a bite and there's a hole near the stem. It, it just allows you to pay attention to that tree, to see that tree in a way that, you know, you've seen that tree before, but now you see it with a specificity and a granularity um, and an intimacy that I think allows you to see it in new ways. And that's what poetry does for me. And in this book, I think I try to turn those, that sort of lens toward fatherhood and think about those moments with my kids, those moments with my wife, um, those moments that I want to hold on to. You all leaves on each other's trees? <laughs> <laughs> all the little leaves, yeah. Do you know E.E. You know e. E. Cummings, not a tree can count his leaves, each herself by opening, but shining who by thousands mean only one amazing thing? I do now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about paying attention how is that, in your opinion, how is that related to love? Because I, I am a big fan of this line from Greta Gerwig's 
um, Lady Bird, mm. where a nun that she's talking to asks her about her writing. She goes, well, I just pay attention to things. Mm. And the nun says, don't you think there might be the same thing, love and attention? Hmm. I'm going to have to rewatch that movie. That's beautiful. Yes. Uh, I do think there's a lot of the sort of, uh, a lot of overlap between those two. I mean, what is, what is love other than giving your, your attention, your time, uh, a, sent, a part of you to another person? Um, and I think that part of what you try to do as a parent, part of what you try to do as a, as a human um, to be the best version of yourself is to be present uh, and to give that attention uh, to people, to give that attention to moments, to give that attention to that tree in front of your house or to the dog you know, who's running across your front porch or uh, to the sunset that you might never pay attention to. Um, and I think that poems, again, they sort of force you to pay attention and, and force me in some way remind me how much of the world that there is to love, um, despite the sort of despair and sense of catastrophe that we often feel so much of. Well, I, w- I want to talk about that, that love and, and, and that despair at the same time, which is, is, is there a thematic through line to Above Ground that relates to those? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of what I'm, I'm thinking about in the collection is the simultaneity of the human experience, how we move through the world holding joy and love and wonder and awe alongside a sense of despair, a sense of fear uh, amid the backdrop of ecological and social catastrophe. Uh, and, and so I'm thinking about that in the context of the human experience and then in the context of parenthood, thinking about how parenthood is this thing that is filled with so much inspiration, so much silliness, so much levity, so much joy, uh, and is also really scary and really exhausting mm-hmm. and really difficult. And how parenthood is this thing that shows you the parts of yourself that you love and the parts of yourself that you're proud of and also shows you parts of yourself that you might be ashamed of, parts of yourself that you might not like that hadn't been revealed to you in the same way. And I'm always interested in how we, we hold all of that together, how we sort of carry all of that in our bodies, in our, uh, in our lives all at once. One, one thing that occurs to me about parenthood is the sense of responsibility but also awareness of a certain powerlessness mm. in the face of the reality of yeah. human existence. Romano Gardini in The Fullness of Eternity talks about how in the dawn we're aware of the sunset. Mm. And that's the fullness of our human experience mm. is that, yeah, how did you describe it? Joy and despair together. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first poem you ever wrote? I do, I do. It was in third grade uh, and my teacher assigned us to write a poem about a color. Uh, and I chose the color gray. I don't know why. I was, guess I was a somber, sad child. Um, joy and despair. Joy and despair. Uh, and, and it went uh, something like, I hate the color gray. It reminds me of a rainy day. Gray, I really hate that color. It's annoying, like my little brother. Um, to be clear... Me and my brother have a great relationship now. He's a great guy. Um, but he was a toddler. To toddlers, are, they're just by nature very annoying. So, uh, but I remember my teacher came up to me after Miss Mueller. She came up to me, and she put her hand on my shoulder. She looked over, and she read the poem. And she looked at me, and she said, Clint, that was beautiful. You can be a writer when you grow up. For all I know, she could have gone and said that to every kid in the room. Like, I have, I have no idea. Um, but what I do know is that I remembered that moment for the rest of my life. Um, and that's not to create some sort of neat, linear relationship between, like, that moment and now becoming a writer, but, but it was always in my head. It always existed as a possibility. And I tell that story to teachers all the time because you never know 
what's going to stay with the child. Like, you never know uh, what sort of offhand comment you make is going to stay with the young person. You, st you started your career as a high school English teacher, right? I did. Do you miss it? Oh, every day. I think talking to teenagers about literature is just, like, one of the most fun things in the world. Uh, it, any teachers? Hey! Um, those are my people. Um, it's, it, was, it was amazing. I mean, just, like, we sat, we'd sit in a circle and we'd read Toni Morrison, we'd read Faulkner, we'd read, you know, contemporary young adult novelists, we'd read... Uh, Keats, we watch, you know, slam poets. We put those, the canon in conversations with the things that we think have been excluded from the canon, trying to understand why that was happening. It was, it was amazing. And, and I just have so much admiration for the work that teachers have done and continue to do, especially coming out of COVID. So many of our students have had such a hard time academically, socially, and I've seen, because I've been in the classroom and I know so many teachers and, and I speak to so many teachers all the time, I know how hard they are working even when nobody's paying attention. I know how much of themselves they give every single day to these students, to these schools. Um... Well, uh, the, the name of the collection is Above Ground. Uh, the poet is Clint Smith. And before we go, could I ask you to read one of your poems? I'd love to. Would, uh, <laughs> right All at once. The redwoods are on fire in California. A flood submerges a neighborhood that sat quiet on the coast for three centuries. A child takes their first steps and tumbles into a father's arms. Two people in New Orleans fall in love under an oak tree whose branches bend like sorrow. A forest of seeds are planted in new soil. A glacier melts into the ocean and the sea climbs closer to the land. A man comes home from war and holds his son for the first time. A man is killed by a drone that thinks his jug of water is a bomb. Your best friend relapses and isn't picking up the phone. Your son's teacher calls to say he stood up for another boy in class. A country below the equator ends a 20-year civil war. A soldier across the Atlantic fires the shot that begins another. The scientists find a vaccine that will save millions of people's lives. Your mother's cancer has returned, and the doctors say there is nothing else they can do. There is a funeral procession in the morning and a wedding in the afternoon. The river that gives us water to drink is the same one that might wash us away. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Above Ground is available now. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing, if you want to see more of me, come to the Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives.